Today is a momentous day in the history of St. John's. This Easter, we use our newly renovated chancel, this altar and choir area, for the very first time. St. John's was constructed between 1910 and 1912. The nave of the church was doubled in length in 1958, with a new chancel being built then. And today we begin a new era of worship in this sacred space. You are all forever a part of the history of this church now. Now, if you have not been here since Christmas, <laughs> or perhaps even last Easter, you may be looking at this space and feeling a little bit like Mary, who did not recognize the risen Jesus. Our old high altar has been turned into a freestanding altar and brought forward so it is closer to the people. The choir is now behind the altar facing the people to enhance the sound and create a sense of all of us gathering around our altar. Our communion rail is now at pew level so all people can reach it without going up steps. We've even added a handicap ramp up into this chancel area. All of this is to deepen our encounter with God in community during our worship. It is, of course, highly symbolic to begin a new life of worship at St. John's on Easter. Indeed, the three months of construction have become a metaphor for the death and resurrection of Christ. For three months, this whole section of the church has been entombed behind a wall of wrapped scaffolding, slowly transforming like a chrysalis. It was a lively time for us to experiment with our worship in a very different temporary setup in the back half of the church. For all the joy of that experience, the cross and the tomb became very real during that time. Beginning just after the first Sunday of Lent, which coincided with the time change, there was a cascade of deaths, funerals, some suicides, medical emergencies, psychiatric crises, relationship issues, and emotional turmoil unlike anything I have ever seen. It wasn't just church members. This was people in all facets of my life, from family to friends and colleagues, or one of their loved ones. Then floods ravaged Malawi, Africa, imperiling the people of our sister parish, St. John's in Salima, whose sources of food and income were destroyed. We support a program that raises and sells goats to fund secondary school for girls 
who otherwise could not afford school and might be forced to marry. The property was damaged in the flood and many of the goats died. It honestly felt like everything around me was walking through the valley of the shadow of death. A wedding was a ray of light in the darkness. Perhaps you or someone you love has been feeling the darkness of the tomb these past months. It all came to a head for me this past Monday, the Monday of Holy Week. First, Notre Dame burned. I was so anxious about our chancel being done for Easter. And here was one of the most beloved churches in the world, a place I visited the first time I went to Europe, rendered unusable and nearly destroyed during Holy Week. Then, later that day, a parishioner was flown by helicopter to Stanford for emergency heart surgery. On Tuesday, we found out that on Monday night, Nancy Danielson, who has been attending St. John's since 1926, died. I thought, Our Lady and Our Matriarch on the same day. That can't be just coincidence. In the original church building, the beautiful resurrection window that is behind you was in the front of the church over the altar. It was moved to the back wall during the 1958 renovation. And when we began planning this chancel renovation, I thought how wonderful it would be to put the window back in the chancel over the altar area. Nancy Danielson said to me, don't move that window. (laughs) It gets better. (laughs) She said to me, don't move that window until I'm dead. (laughs) When your matriarch speaks, you listen. But for a number of reasons, not just Nancy, we did not move the window. And Nancy knew that the newly restored window would remain in the back of the church. But I wish she had seen this new chancel. It is because of the legacy of people like Nancy that St. John's is the church it is today. Then earlier this Holy Week, After learning that a church member may be close to death, finally I said to myself, I don't know how people who don't have a community of faith survive. How do they survive without a community of faith, with all that life brings? We are, after all, here to proclaim that the tomb was empty that love never ends, that through Jesus, life is transformed 
just as this space was being transformed behind that scaffolding wall. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Except, in the case of our chancel renovation, it almost did. Many of the lights in the church were burned out or not working. And with this new configuration, nothing was pointed in the right spot. And some of the settings were all messed up. The chapel lights, as you can see, still need a new circuit. The final piece of getting the church ready for Easter was replacing and re-aiming the lights. It's Maundy Thursday, the day we commemorate the Last Supper. The lighting designer is here. The guy to work on the lighting control system is here. The light bulbs are here. The lift we need is here. But the electrician who can work on the fixtures and swap out the bulbs is sick and can't go up in the lift. I felt panic coming on. It is a first world problem, I know. But I really, really wanted this church to be ready for all of you today. A worker for our contractor was here and he agreed to go up in the lift to replace and re-aim lights and work on fixtures, taking direction from an electrician on the ground. The worker's name is Jesus. <laughs> right? <laughs> you can't make this up. I mean, it gave new meaning to the phrase, Jesus saves. <laughs> Jesus literally spent Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday working in order to bring light to Easter. And now, thanks to Jose, or excuse me, thanks to Jesus, <laughs> light shines in the darkness at St. John's. For me, this seemed almost providential. It was certainly a moment of profound grace in the Easter metaphor this project has become because it reminded me of hope. Hope is what emerged from that empty tomb on Easter morning. Hope and light and life and love emerged from the darkness of death. Certainly, Notre Dame will rise from the ashes. Nancy Danielson's kindness, love, generosity, and care for this church will be celebrated and carried on. We raised thousands of dollars and sent them to our sister parish this Holy Week. The priest there wrote, This gift is so timely. May you be blessed. Greet the church for us. Malawi is one of the poorest countries in the world. 
and a dollar can go a long way there. Two parishioners who had, who had had serious heart surgery during this time both speak not of fear, but of gratitude and faith. And in my experience as a priest, being at the bedside with families, even the act of dying can be a moment of beautiful love. This interaction of Jesus and Mary outside the tomb when she recognizes Jesus is so tender. It is the victory of love. In the medieval church, baptism was described as being like this scene of Mary meeting the risen Lord in a well-watered garden. The disciples seeing the empty tomb and Mary proclaiming, I have seen the Lord, signaled the beginning of something new. And now the disciples would have to figure out what the resurrection meant. It's a bit like us with this new chancel that has emerged. Now we have to figure out how to use it. So if at any point in this service it looks like we aren't sure what we're doing, <laughs> we're in good company with the disciples. The Christian life is really the journey of figuring out what the resurrection means for us. But the starting point, and ultimately the ending point, is that Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death and giving life to those in the tombs. I'm a huge fan of Game of Thrones. And I thought it was quite ironic that the final season of the show began on Palm Sunday, the day we as Christians celebrate the true king's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Those of us who are Game of Thrones fans are eagerly waiting to see who will sit on the throne. To see how the song of ice and fire will end. But today, on Easter, we sing the song of light and hope because we know how the story ends. St. Anselm of Canterbury, who died on this day in 1109, wrote some of the most beautiful lyrics for the song we sing today. Jesus, like a mother, you gather your people to you. You are gentle with us as a mother with her children. Often you weep over our sins and our pride. Tenderly you draw us from hatred and judgment. You comfort us in sorrow and bind up our wounds. In sickness you nurse us. 
and with pure milk you feed us. Jesus, by your dying, we are born to new life. By your anguish and labor, we come forth in joy. Despair turns to hope through your sweet goodness. Through your gentleness, we find comfort in fear. Your warmth gives life to the dead. Your touch makes sinners righteous. Lord Jesus, in your mercy, heal us. In your love and tenderness, remake us. In your compassion, bring grace and forgiveness. For the beauty of heaven, may your love prepare us.